This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown. Bodie, let's get it. Well, welcome back, folks. It's your boy Bass here. I got Tyler with me. Uh, Dan is still MIA, but he'll be back with us soon. Um, he has some things going on he had to take care of. But Tyler, how you doing this evening, my man? I'm doing great, bro. Doing great. It's a lovely uh, Sunday night or Monday night. I don't even know what day it is, bro. It's, it's going Monday, so good. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Bass? Man, I'm doing okay. It was a solid Monday today. Uh, just working, man. Putting in that time. Trying to get this paper. Hell yeah. Love that. Love to hear that. Money money is, you know, good shit, bro. It's freedom, dog. It's freedom. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fun tickets. Um, <laughs> but you ready to get into it? Yes, sir. What we got today? All right. We got first Undead Unluck, episode five. Freerin. Episode 9, Roroni Kenshin, Episode 18, Jujutsu Kaisen, 15. One Piece, Episode 1082, has so many goddamn episodes. <laughs> I don't ever blame people for not wanting to start One Piece, but all I can do is say it's worth it. I'll blame them, bro. Who <laughs> wants it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess we'll get right into Undead Unluck, Episode 5. And it's called United We Negate. And with the battle against Sheena over, Andy and Fuko are accepted to the round table. But we get some quick cele- celebratory drinks and then some odd introductions to some mysterious new characters. And basically, the episode starts with Fuko crying in the Gina's uniform because it was pretty sad, you know, when uh, we seen that she... Uh, I guess died, you know, I, I'm assuming she died. So yeah, it looked like, uh, with the anti-aging, uh, wearing off and her, her body kind of breaking down. She's, she's, uh, she's, she's passed at this point. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Andy kind of comfort Fuko. He doesn't seem like the caring type, but has shown some, some love. Uh, but he was <laughs> saying that Gina had a death wish anyway, uh, because she had so many reservations about having a kill in order to like keep living. Uh, that's, that's some heavy shit. Yeah, it makes it a little bit worthwhile, at least. So, knowing that it wasn't all just, like, pure, uh, just killing murder, you know, so. Yeah, uh, Andy even said, like, she, she put on a good face, because I thought she was just a crazy old witch. And she wasn't. She had a heart, and he actually promised to kill Gina once he escaped. He didn't, he thought she was joking about the whole situation, but... <laughs> Apparently not, Jesus. For for someone that wanted to die so bad, she sure put up a hell of a fight. She did. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I think Andy had to earn it, you know. So I think if you know, she's thinking about it how like, okay, if I win, I get to have Andy again. We have a seat at the round table for him. Like we can go spend some time together. And I think she'd be more okay with that being on the same team with him. Yeah. And then we get on to our next thing. Um, 
we actually talked about this in the last episode, I think, that we was wondering how Andy and Fuko was going to fit into the round table or if they was going to try to change how they, uh, how they, like, I guess, uh, done, worked. Yeah. And that's one of Fuko's first things that she wants to do. She wants to try to change them. That way, no one else suffers like they have or, you know, like Gina, for example, uh, suffered, so... Yeah, so I mean, it, it's we're five episodes in, and it seems like we finally got our why. You know, what, well, like what's the story going to be about finally? Because uh, to this point, it seemed like they, they were just kind of running around trying to stay alive. So we actually have some some main plot coming. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it still feels a little bit shallow to me um, as far as uh, main plot. Like, um, I feel like that we need more. You know what I mean? So I feel that. But yeah, um, it was very interesting. We actually got to see the other negators uh, that formed a round table, that formed a union. Uh, did you expect there to be so many? Um, they were saying there was 10. So I, I expected the other eight. Um, so yeah, I, 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 think it was, I think it was expected for me. They had mentioned it at one time. Okay, see, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I ever remember them saying that. I thought it was going to be like a, like a around a seven or eight. And then they just kept on showing people and I'm just like, okay, that's a lot, bro. (laughs) That's true. I also like that they, uh, they blurred out what they negate. They just put un and then like the redacted. It was cool. Yeah. And one of the things I really enjoyed was some of their names, uh, yeah, I think you had like Billy and Phil. Like they're trying really hard. <laughs> Billy, Phil, Andy. Uh, like they're trying really hard to like come up with these like Americanized names. So yeah, that was that's a good detail. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, once you know, I thought it was kind of odd that um, as soon as they like got to the round table, or as they was on their way to the round table, Andy just like started attacking them, and um. What did you like? Did you think that was a like smart move for Andy or no? Um, I, I thought it was actually pretty tactful of him. I, I was thinking he did that to see how they respond to the attack, like you know, possibly trying to figure out what they negate right off the bat. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I mean, that was his really his. It's just like a quick test to see what everybody does in the situation. Hmm. Okay. Because he said something like, um we got that out of the way already. So it made me seem like it was just like uh breaking the ice kind of thing, but you think it's more tactical, huh? Yeah, I, I do. Um, because for the reason you just said, like Andy said, yeah, okay, we got that out of the way. We, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish pretty much. And, you know, Fuka was sitting there like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it wasn't like a serious attack by Andy because it was just like his little finger pistol thing. Yeah. But he, I think he was just trying to force them to use their abilities. It could have been a serious thing, though. It could have, it could have caused uh, pretty good damage, but uh, if they was little bitches or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, he could have killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, then we, then we meet a book. It's like a grimoire, I guess, and it's called Apocalypse. And... It's just got like a, it's very menacing looking. It's got a mouth and I think eyes and stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I ain't never seen a book like that before. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? Um, I didn't know what the fuck was going on with that. Uh, he had like those <laughs> long ass teeth. He he was he had some bass in his voice. Um, I, I thought it was just like at first, I thought it was just going to be like a book that kind of just gave them their missions from like headquarters or something because I thought they worked for like a larger organization or something like that. Yeah, I immediately got like maybe like sorting vibe, uh, sorting hat vibes. Yeah, from Harry yeah. Potter or Mashal, for example. Um, but this is like a much more menacing on a much more menacing scale, I think. Evil scale, maybe. Yeah, he's so. like their boss. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, he goes on to reveal of like six missions. I think it is. Uh, it tells like their party size required. Um. And it even has like rewards uh, as well. And uh, they can be anything from like adding a seat to the round table or even the unification of all world languages. Did that trip you out when he said that? You know, I was I was kind of in shock about um, uh, like all the rest of the things going on because it was kind of overwhelming to me because uh, it had um, like a lot of information on the screen mm-hmm. all at once. So I f- kind of feel like how Fuko was feeling. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was like, just take in all the information you can. We'll worry about this oh. bullshit later. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it was like some Tower of Babylon type shit uh, like from, from, from the, uh, the Christian Bible there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, so whatever this thing is, and wh- whoever's the boss of this thing can change languages. Like, I didn't know like th- this thing had that kind of power. I didn't understand like what was going on either. I guess, I guess he can do about anything. So, um, but so yeah, it seems, yeah. Um, apparently, and so they have these six quests for the month. Um. And apparently, if they don't complete all six by the end of the month, which is the deadline, they actually get a penalty, a punishment for not doing it. Um, this month is the addition of UMA Galaxy. That's their penalty. So, and uh, I think this is where we kind of get into, uh, like, what all the other punishments and penalties that have come before, right? Yeah, so like the the leader, well, Fuko kind of like stands up because she's really adamant about changing what the hell's going on after being hunted for a few days. I don't blame oh, yeah. her there. Um, and yeah, she kind of like stands up and is like, okay, like, first of all, what the fuck is this book? And why are we like just taking orders from it? Like, is it really worth doing what it says? And like the leader stands up and says, well, yeah. Um, so the reason we do this is, and he kind of goes into like all the rules, on the, like the current 98 rules that the world has. And it has stuff like language, race, death, sickness, um, and sex. So there's some positive ones and some really, really negative ones like death and sickness, right? So yeah. we understand that like maybe this book doesn't have a lot of power, but whoever is sending the book is like pretty much all powerful. And the leader also kind of tells us that uh, they're actually doing this so they can get the perks, so they can go defeat what he calls the creator. Like, I thought this shit was... N- Did you see any of this coming? Like, this blindsided me 100%. Yeah, I mean, we've always looked at the union as the bad guys, but honestly, like, at this point, are they really the bad guys? Um, You know? 
Yeah, so. that was a big change. Yeah, like they're actually the good guys. Yeah, it's nuts, man. And you know, one thing, one thing that I just thought of is this book's name is called Apocalypse, and you know, it uh, penalizes um, the world by putting new rules or whatever on it, like sex, illness, all this stuff. Um, what if they don't fail, if they fail to do it so many times or whatever, it brings the apocalypse. That's why it's named apocalypse. Ooh, that's a good catch. I, I didn't even put that together, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so uh, they're basically trying to save the world right now from ending, I guess, in a way, I think. Yeah, they are. They're they're trying to prevent a lot more bad things from happening. Yeah, that's my theory anyways. Just off of just from what they give us off of that book, honestly. So True, true. And then the the guy also said, I thought it was really interesting, and I'm not sure why this is. Every three months a new penalty gets atlas like added like regardless. So there's still more rules being made. But it being ninety eight rules, I don't know if they get to get rid of rules and things like that, but there's ninety eight rules and it's been going on for a while since every three months a rule gets added regardless so i I don't really sure i'm not sure how long this has been going on and how they why they called the creator there's only 98 rules maybe they maybe they can't get rid of rules but maybe they can add something that kind of helps negate those rules that would be interesting okay okay so um just like the language stuff you know uh that probably would help with something so uh, true you know, True. yeah, it was very and things. So yeah, it was very vague. Like I don't know what they yeah. mean by like language. I don't know what they mean by meant by like sex. Like you will keep the fucking, but like I don't really know what they meant by that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but now we now we actually get to the wacky shit. Like this has all been information like a uh, dump basically um, for us, and now we start getting to the wacky shit. Andy is acting like Andy and he just like basically jumps up on the table, grabs the book, basically like grabs the bull by the horn is the saying just like demands that he gives him the hardest quest. So, yeah. And like the reason he does that is because you get points based on how hard the quests are and everything you do inside, inside of the round table. And in order to like change how they operate, you got to be number one. So that's why they he, he kind of did that. It made sense, but him like just jumping on the table and grabbing the book by the by the teeth was it's Andy. It's overboard. <laughs> I don't think that book has ever had that happen to him before. Or nah, it, before he, he felt violated. You could see that. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was shocked, dude. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um. So they got the the hardest quest available was capture of UMA spoil. Um, the reward for that will be the location of negator unrepair and is a party size requirement of three. So yeah, and, so of of course you know Andy's gonna bring Fuko. That's that's his weapon. That's his offense, really. But they also he also asked for Shin. I guess because he's most familiar with Shin, and the, I guess that's like more predictable for him. Yeah, he kind of knows how Shin works. I think is the reason why he picked him. He don't really know how the others work or their personalities. I guess so. It's kind of like his friend in a way. So true. Like I know Shin's not a 
crazy murderer guy that's gonna stab me in the back. So I'll take him. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of uh the um uh the one Hashira, bro, from Demon Slayer, the entertainment arc uh dude. Uh, the sound. Is it the sound? Yeah, Lord what's his name? Lord Tingen. Yeah, Tingen. Yeah. He's got his vibes, bro. He's just he's just frizzed up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, as, as they're like getting prepared, they also kind of give us a little bit of information about like why they all wear that 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 creepy looking uniform. And I thought it was pretty cool that they kind of like went into like a little bit more detail about it. And like the first thing was like the vest is like bulletproof and stat stat proof. It's like armor, pretty much. And the necktie like translates languages and gives them access to public services worldwide. Need me that. For real. I need that. That'd be so cheap. <laughs> be taking the train and bus everywhere, boy. I don't even care about that. I just want to watch anime and know what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking too much. <laughs> Give me my next time, bro. <laughs> but uh then, then after that finally like the emblem that they wear like the nu looking emblem the gold thing like they it's required for them to participate in the quest only problem is andy likes being fucking naked and he destroys his body constantly so like he needs something that can like regen too yeah and um you know uh they actually get something like that to fall in their laps apparently out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. What luck they have. Uh, so we have next we have like the <laughs> the escape of the clothing UMA. And I was I'm happy that we found out about this because like I didn't know what the fuck a UMA was. They never like explained that to us in this show. But it's pretty much like an embodied un unpower, a negator power, pretty much. It doesn't seem like it's an actual person, but a thing with powers. Okay. And it kind of took over uh, Mui which is uh, Shin's, like, follower. She has no power. She's not part of the union of the round table. She's just kind of, like, there as an assistant, which is pretty dope. Yeah. But they end up fighting again, and uh, Andy gets a hold of it. And he, and kind of how the, the clothing UMA power works is, like, we saw this. Like, if am I understanding this correctly, that it, like, gives you clothes, and if you like them, it, like, takes over your body? Yeah, if uh, if they latch onto you and may is and they're able to actually make the clothing that you desire the most, and you are happy with that clothing, then um, it can take over your body. I guess for good, okay. maybe. I'm not. It didn't really go that far. So. Yeah, I think you gotta like defeat it or knock it out or some shit. Cause yeah, Andy got it off of Moy, but. Thing got it on himself, but he has very high uh, fashion standards, pretty much. And he was not very happy with the clothing UMA style and uh, kind of like was trolling it. It was like, yeah, you don't reach in fast enough for my body. You took 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's also interesting that now Andy has a um, has clothes that can regenerate as he needs them, as he destroys his body or whatever. But it's also interesting that they said that he tamed this um, uh, person or, or spirit. I don't know what to call it, really. Um, but I wonder how that actually works. Is he going to have to, like, stay on his toes at all time and he can't never, like, um, be satisfied or it will take over his body? Like, I, I'm just not sure how it's going to work, so. 
I think he's gonna have to stay on his toes for like now, but I think eventually like it's gonna like him because he's just a crazy son of a bitch. It's hard not to like Andy, I think. Yeah, I think I think maybe we've got a new pet, honestly. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's clothes. <laughs> I love it. I yes. mean, we we needed a way for uh, Andy to, you know, be qualified for these quests in order to become number one or whatever. So here we are. The clothes yep, you made. Out. You know, they made that nice uh, censored uh, dangling, but I guess it's going <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Well, technically, all he needs really is the tie. Honestly, <laughs> if he's got the tie, he can get the benef- the most benefits, and he can actually wear the uh, emblem on the tie, probably. True. true. So, because he don't need the suit, really. Like, I mean, what's it gonna do for him? Yeah, he's he doesn't. Undead. Right. So. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Are you ready to get into some fearing? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys, we got a uh, Fern 9 coming at you. Uh, this one is titled Aurora the Guillotine. So Fern and Stark are headed out of town to go find Fern before being ambushed by some bitch-ass demons. And meanwhile, Fern is beyond the city walls, uh, sizing up Aura the Guillotine, uh, their true enemy, the big baddie for this arc. So we get some important news right off the bat in this episode. And when we see like the, the graph is kind of getting healed from his wounds, he's not, you know, he's going to live. And he also kind of understands that, you know, who Freeran is and that he's, that he messed up in like two ways, really. One, he didn't listen to her. And two, she's like the savior of the fucking town. Yeah. Big mistake, bro. Like big mistake that we've seen time and time again. People should listen to this. Little old elf lady, so. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't know who he was messing with. I thought it was funny. Like, he was kind of, like, sitting there with his back straight, you know, with his eyes closed, like he's deep in thought. And really, he should be very embarrassed because he could have avoided this whole situation if he just listened to the elf. It's it's amazing that um, so many people don't know that she's and even though she was part of the... Um, a hero's party and she was like had statues everywhere and like even went on to save a lot of places it's it's you know it actually baffles me so right you would i mean you'd figure like you have pictures of her and you're like history books and shit you know especially you being the graph like you should be privy to that kind of knowledge well that and one thing that really really bugs me is that the fact that We've seen time and time again how uh, we've been told time and time again how uh, there's like very few elves, right? Yes. So at this point, like if you see an elf, why don't you think that, why don't you automatically think that it could be Freeran? You know what I mean? Right. It's a young looking elf with white hair carrying a a mage staff. Like, let's be serious here. How many of those are there? Like you see an elf. You, you're like, maybe this is Furin. Like, maybe I should investigate. Maybe. exactly, And especially with, like, elves living so long, you would think, like, people would think, okay, it's an elf. They're probably, like, super fucking privy and wise. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, that's that's one thing that uh, I think was kind of overlooked. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe people were just dumb. I don't know. Yeah, people are kind of stupid. But... But yeah, that was uh that was definitely an interesting fact. Uh but then we actually get into the the uh we go back to Freeran and she's like standing down Aura the guillotine. 
and this is their first battle in 80 some years and um you know it kind of makes you think you know why uh why they didn't actually take care of aura back then do you have any explanation or theories um i i don't like it, it doesn't make sense to me why you would kill the the like the demon king and not kill his like direct commanders um if you have that much power and like you've already fought aura before like you know she's like a real threat she's very powerful like why wouldn't you just take care of her so i'm not sure why they didn't kill her maybe they couldn't in like the heat of battle but if they fought this battle at this town against aura and her little like army thing you would think that they would try to take her out yeah it kind of makes me wonder if um uh, so they sealed away that one demon. So what if, you know, this was early on in the journey and they didn't really, they wasn't really strong enough to, you know, actually kill Aura and maybe they sealed her away too or something like that. And, or maybe somehow took away her powers or, uh, that, that wouldn't make sense if they took away her powers because then they could have killed her. So I don't know. Yeah. So hopefully they, they get into that a little bit uh, later in the series. Maybe they, you know. Maybe they were just nice guys. Yeah. And, <laughs> and a fun fact that I just learned on this episode, when they introduced Freerin this time, they called her Sasso no Freerin, which means Freerin the Slayer. And that is actually the name of the anime too, their proper name, Sasso no Freerin. So the name is Freerin the Slayer, bro. Oh, shit. I did not know yeah. that. Oh, man. I picked up on that. So. I should have been putting respect on her name. Okay, never mind. So that I think that makes the that makes me look at the show differently. It's not freer and beyond journey's end. It's freer and the slayer beyond journey's end. That's okay. that's a whole new meaning. So yes, that is that makes you look at freer and completely different. She was a savage in her younger years, apparently. Yeah, it only took us um nine episodes to figure this out. So <laughs> we're all learning here. <laughs> But yeah, we um, also get to learn a little bit about Aura's magic. And uh, Freeman actually says out of her mouth that her magic is more powerful than what humans are capable of. Um, and, and even the gaff is like her power is beyond belief, beyond hot comprehension is what he says. Yeah, so unbeatable. demon magic is, yeah, it's, it's not a joke. Demon magic is not a joke at all. And, you know, just to give you guys a refresher, like she basically just weighs her mana versus her opponent. And if her mana is... Is heavier, bigger. Um, she gets control over whoever she, you know, mana she has on the other side of her little scale. But the catch is if that person's mana is bigger, they get to control her. Problem is, she has an absolutely gigantic, gigantic mana pool. So she's been running around doing this shit for like 500 years, bro. At the minimum, we don't even know at this point. So. Yeah, and like that, 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 that also makes me think, why didn't they kill her? If they, she'd been doing this for 100 years, at least, at least 400 as the time they fought her, you know she's a problem. Do something. But, you know, maybe they, they, their goal was to kill the, the Demon King. Yeah, I, I wish they would give us some, uh, I, I hope they give us some um, depth on that situation, why... She didn't because they did on the, you know, like I said, the previous one that they sealed away and he was, he wasn't shit. So like something must've happened for Aura 
so yeah i'm not i'm yeah we we got there's a, like a few questions i have about this episode that will have to be answered later um one thing that surprised Aura that also surprised me, uh, we know Furin is Furin the fucking Slayer at this point. Like, they <laughs> called in the show, it's the name of the show, apparently. And she just uses, like, this little monoblast to, like, start off the fight and, like, downs four of the, like, armored bodies. The, the husk, really. And Aura was surprised, too, like I said. And she, she said, you know, you have the ability to blow away, like, a lot of my army at one time. Like, why did you do this? But we did see Furin kind of checking the armor, wiping it off. And like, why do you think she was doing that? Like, why do you think she's behaving this way? Um, a few context clues that was given to us is that um, uh, apparently uh, she knew, she said that they looked familiar. The armor looked familiar. Mm-hmm. And also, I think Graf also said something along the lines of uh, she fought alongside um those people back then or something like that um so i i honestly think that she was checking to make sure that they was truly gone and not just like um um just some form of human like at her mercy you know what i mean right making sure it's not actually people yeah Okay. So I, I think she was just checking to make sure that it was okay to go crazy. Start rampaging, yeah. Yeah. That's 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 what I think. Cause she I think she said something along the lines is okay, I can kill you kill I can destroy you all now or something because you're just monsters or something like that. Yeah, so. she said, Yeah, demons are truly monsters. She's like, I can kill you without mercy now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the reason Himmel had scolded her in the past, too. Like, she needs to be more careful about yeah, human lives. She just yeah. went in guns blazing, probably, so. True. I mean, that, well, that's, that sounds like a slayer to me, but, you know. <laughs> I've been wrong before. But yeah, after I mean, this. Yeah, go ahead. Guess we'll see. Yeah. So. But after this, we kind of go back to a friend and, uh, and Stark. They're trying to go find uh, Freren. And Lugner kind of surprise attacks them using like the blood he had on them. Um, and he ends up having friend pinned to a wall of the castle. And I, I got to admit last episode, I did say that maybe Lugner thought that they, these two were, were threats too, but dude's just an arrogant prick and doesn't consider them a threat at all. Yeah. I mean, I think he could have easily dealt with uh Fern um while he had her pinned but instead he just wanted to basically embarrass her and gloat um pretty much i would say yep to get back at her kind of i guess um which is kind of wild because he actually like turns his back to her and um uh allows her to pick up her staff and it comes to find out that he actually wanted her to do it. So, yeah, he he was kind of bugging. He he should have known better. Um, but yeah, Lugner, yeah, he like, dared her to like shoot him in the back because Fern was like, yeah, if you move, I can just kill you. I'll shoot you right through the heart. And he's like, yeah, by the time you do that, I'll have your head. Like it, it'll be a wrap. But then we get like a, a quick flashback to uh, Furin kind of telling Fern that Fern that uh, 
she casts spells really quickly, even even faster than herself. And I, I like that we're finally getting some deep details about how the magic works. There's some components to it at this point. You got mana technique and some control over, I guess, your techniques. And yeah. those things can kind of be taught, but I guess speed of which you that it, in which you like cast your spells is is more natural. Can't teach speed is what they say. Told me in football. <laughs> yeah. But how did you yeah. like that? We're getting some. We're getting a little bit more lore out of this one too. We're learning a lot. Yeah, I like how they're like gradually introducing us to like the power system uh, little by little instead of just dumping it on us all at once. And like you was kind of saying, um, you know, as far as speed, um, I wonder if that's I assume that's the case, because um, if it was attainable by practice, just practicing, you would think. Rearin would have it after this this many years, you know what I mean? Right. So it has to be something that you, I guess, fall into or, you know, just got lucky and have the ability to do so. So. Yeah, that's something. And I think that's cool. Like it, it separates a uh, friend from uh, Farron yeah. by a, 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 a good margin i think you know, she's significantly talented in, the, in that speed category so a little bit different setup for these guys and i like that because like to this point i didn't really know if they were any different like she's just a lower level mage you know yeah and i mean we get into the fact that like in the flashback uh Freeran makes fern fight all these like lower level monsters and stuff that they come across because she says that the battles are in quicker because Fern is able to, you know, deploy so much, uh, her magic so much faster than Fern would be able to. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. And we actually see it in work here as like, um, basically Fern is just like overwhelming, uh, Lugner, like constantly. He just doesn't have time to respond for anything. It's just so fast. Yeah, I, I thought the switch up was crazy from Lugner. He goes from being like, oh, I can kill you at will to being like, okay, like, where's Lenny? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like hurry the fuck up and beat this guy. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> I love He's, that shit. Yeah, he was like playing it cool, you know, with a straight face. But you could tell he was he was pressed. Like he was he said, literally, I'm being overwhelmed here. Like she needs to come help me. So the switch up <laughs> took about 30 seconds and it was awesome. And one thing I will mention, um, one of my favorite moments of this was when uh, uh, Lenny, the little girl demon, uh, started attacking Stark. That animation sequence was so clean and it went so hard when she pulled out the axe and like kind of went sideways on him to mm -hmm. bring him down to the ground. That was hard, bro. Oh, it was. It was. They're throwing money out, bro. Madhouse <laughs> is throwing money right now. <laughs> no, no joke, my boy. No joke. <laughs> but yeah, Lenny was like dog walking Stark. And like, it seemed like he was too afraid to even like go in the attack against her. Because um, he didn't have a lot of battle experience, especially against other like warrior type fighters. And I thought it was also pretty cool. Like one of the cleaner scenes in this in this episode was like Lenny as she's like fighting, is constantly changing her weapon. She's using the axe, a sword, a throwing knife. Like it was it was dope. Like she was fluid with that shit. She was clean with it. Yeah, and um, you know, 
one thing I think that uh, uh, Stark was struggling with a lot was she was actually using uh, his I mean, master's like uh, moves against him. And I think he starts to notice that. And we actually, uh, she actually confirms it. Then we like get into a flashback kind of of Aizen, um, uh, just giving like one of, one of the moments where Aizen's just beating the shit out of Stark. And he's just like, you, you know what? I can tell you the secret of beating strong opponents. And that's the, just keep getting back up. Just never fall and, um, just keep getting back up and hitting them. And, you know, did you, did you, how did you feel about this advice? Do you think it's legit or not? I mean, it's, it's definitely legit, but it was so basic. It made me like actually laugh out loud. (laughs) I was like, wow, there's some really astounding advice right there from your master. Keep fighting. (laughs) Just keep going. Listen, He's got a point, though. You can't lose if you don't die, bro. I mean, he was right. I mean, I'm not saying he was wrong. He was right, but, like, damn. You don't want to lose? Keep fighting. No shit, I mean, dude. What the fuck kind of advice is that? Did Did Naruto and Luffy teach Aizen the ways, bro? Because, you know, they do the same shit, bro. No, I, I definitely thought of Naruto. Like, never give up. Like, I'll just get up one more time. Yeah, I mean, we see it time and time again. We've seen it. So, uh, it works. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, we come back from this, uh, flashback and, you know, Stark has been like fatally wounded, I think, at this time. It looks like it. And he gets up one more time. Yes, sir. And goes on to attack again. And he actually is able to kill Lenny um, because he goes in for a suicide blow, basically. He's going to sacrifice his life in order to kill her. But good news for him. She's not as strong as his master was. Yep. She's got some weak-ass thro- uh, blows. So he got cut, but like not deep enough to like really kill him. And he pretty much cuts her in half vertically with a, he calls Thunderstrike. And it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And then from there, uh, Lugner is distraught because he's like, no, what happened to her? And that gives Fern the opening to say goodbye to him and kill him. So (laughs) GG's. Bye. Yeah. um, I mean, honestly, if we, if we're talking about it, um, this animation for this this fighting right here that just happened it can probably hang with you know some of the better fights of like one piece and jujutsu kaisen this year honestly in my opinion yeah i thought the choreography for uh the fight with stark and and lenny was really nice and then you got the the freaking light show with the magic battle up top in the background you had that lighting coming down on them and as they're fighting it was really cool to watch yeah, which one did you like better? Did you like uh, Stark's um, battle with Lenny or Fern's battle with uh, Lugram? I thought the choreography in Stark's fight was way better, but like the actual visuals for uh, Fern's fight with Luckner was was better, and it was more. And, and the latter fight was more satisfying. Yeah. Him going from being arrogant to being like, okay, like I'm gonna need some help was really really satisfying. <laughs> Yeah, me personally, I really, 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 really enjoyed Stark's fight. Um, 
it made me actually like him as a character so much more um because he can be a he can be a coward 99% yes. of the time but he's willing to kill himself in order to uh obtain his goal so yeah to, yeah to this point he had been more or less he still is comic relief but they're yeah. giving him some good character behind it love that yeah solid episode uh we we see madhouse just flexing money right now um on their way to anime of the year so anime of the year i mean it's up there bro it's i mean it can be up there all it won't but one hey, piece has been going nuts we nine whole episodes year. deep bro in a 28 episode season of the year is crazy of the it's year is be crazy. contender bro I, I, I respect it, but like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, JJK I would probably is fighting, boy. One piece, but you know, we got to look at the broader picture. What everybody else is gonna vote? So yeah, it's it's one piece. JJK for me, one A and one B. Furin's yeah. up there though. Yeah, for sure. Definitely shows that we've watched on the rundown for sure. Yeah. Cool. So next we got Ronnie Kenshin. Episode 18, Sanusuke and the Nishiki paintings. This was a doozy. Um, <laughs> this episode starts off with uh, kind of feeling like filler to me. I don't know how much, what you felt about that, Tyler, but same. Yeah, I was checking to make sure it wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, we get Sanusuke going to buy some art for a waitress, and like that's not very Kenshin like. Uh, however, the tension got, you know, it, it came together and started rising after Sano kind of like found, found his old friend from his past. So to start, as we've already said, uh, Sano was asked to get some Nishiki paintings for Tay uh, while she finishes her shift at the Hot Pot restaurant. And he owes it to her for all the, I can't say free food, but the large tab he has acquired. Oh, bummer. Free ass. food. Yeah, she said, no, nah, it's not free. We, we we keeping track of what you eat in here, big dog. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't have any of that shit. Um, but, like, right off the bat, uh, he gets up and says, yeah, like, I'll go do it. And, like, Sano's friends, like, really made me laugh. Like, he was kind of saying, like, you know, the, the new mellow Sano is, like, really cool. Great guy. But he was, like, thinking that the old Sano was, like, way, way cooler. Like, he said, you know, the thing that actually made me laugh was that he was, like, yeah, he'd be smiling, but you could see in his eyes that he wasn't satisfied in the bottom of his heart. And it was like a fucking bomb about to go off. And I thought it was funny. Did you think that was funny? Or you just kind of let it go? Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, uh, it was okay. But the funny part to me was actually when uh, uh, Kenshin and Kairu was uh, watching him like go to this art stand or whatever. And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, I think, uh, they was trying to theorize what he was going to buy. And I think Kenshin said something like hentai or something like that. Or, uh, yeah, he's an exotic pictures. Yeah. yeah. And Kairu's just like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> like, bro, no, <laughs> what's wrong with you? I have a discipline. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was it was related. The the reason it made me laugh is because like um right before I watched this episode, I was at my friend's house and this guy used to be a fucking wild boy, like drinking, smoking, like we party in high school, like and, and he was just a wild boy. And like he's still one of my best friends, if not like my best friend. And like yesterday, he was like bouncing his baby on his lap 
playing with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like I felt that shit. Like, I still love him. Like, he's he's cool as fuck. But like, this man used to be a dog. So it, the switch up is crazy. <laughs> um, but to get back to it, like you know, Sano kind of sees a painting of his former captain Sagara, and he starts asking questions about who the painter is, and goes out to find them. And it's his old friend, and he knew it because it was a picture of his captain, his command, uh, him, and his old friend that he had when he was a kid. And we and we see that Katsu, his name's Katsu, and we end up seeing that like, he has, still has a, a grudge from like ten years ago, and he wants to create the Sihiko army all over again to crush the Meiji government. This was nuts because he had been building bombs for a decade and had him in his fucking floorboard. What did you, did you think this man was like completely off his rocker or like, is he cooking here? You know what I'm saying? Like, does he have a good plan? Did you think? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, Sano, he, I don't think he really let go of it either, but I think this dude like, uh, literally took the captain's words to heart, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure yeah, a hundred bombs or, you know, whatever he's got. Sure, that can do damage, but is it enough to overthrow a government? I don't think so. You know what I mean? So True, uh, true. So I just I mean, sure, I mean you can probably give it a try, but I just don't think it's gonna be uh as a grand scheme as he's thinking it's gonna be, so Yeah, he's he's thinking like he's he can like shut down the government. And like have old samurai and like Roroni come back and like start fighting with him, because right now it's just him. Yeah, it's it's freaking nuts, man. And he's asking Sano like, you know, will you help me? You you're gonna leave me out here to dry? Like he's like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna blame you for not helping me. This is a little crazy. Even he admits it, I think. But he's just so wrapped up in this 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 cycle of of vengeance he wants for his his good friends and you know his past comrades. It's kind of sad. Honestly. Yeah, and he seems to think that if he does succeed in this, that he'll just be given the leader. Yeah, like he'll be he'll be doing something that that Sakura told him to do, because um, like we saw in that flashback that, you know, he was telling Sakura, you know, the 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 age of wit and creativity is coming, and. Katsu took this to heart because he was physically weak as a person, so he wanted to use guns and things like that in war, and he figured, like, you know, I can't just go fight them. I'm not Rurouni Kenshin. Like, I'm not Kenshin. I'm not, that, I'm not that guy. I'm not Sano either. I don't have a crazy strong body. So he's planning to bomb and try to make a, a big brain play, but it seems pretty smooth brain to me. Yeah, he definitely needs more people or just a, just a smarter... Like, if, you, if you're going to try to take them down by intellect iq or whatever i think you need a better play honestly yeah but so. if he had like <clears throat> maybe like 40 or 50 people to like back him up you know then maybe the government be like oh shit like they're blowing up all our shit and we got 50 people at the front door like maybe we should chill out but if stuff's blowing up and i'm like i just gotta deal with this weak ass motherfucker and that's it <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. we have guns and swords. Like you're one guy, my boy. Who can't who can't really do shit, you know? Um and that's why you got the bombs. 
Well, I mean, I guess he's a sharpshooter, kind of, I guess. It makes him out to be, so. Yeah, that's what they were saying in the flashback. He was still shooting a, a tree with a with a bent rifle, which, impressive. Very impressive. I can hardly shoot dubs with a stray barrel, so. And, you know, at this point, um, uh, did you think that Sanosuke was going along with this or no? I didn't because he was saying in his own mind, like, this is a crazy plan. Like, there's no way this works. So I, I did not think, I thought he was, like, completely against this. I mean, especially, like, when, when you, like, start talking about, like, the party he, he throws with, with uh, Katsu's money he's gotten from all his paintings. Yeah, I was, like, really, really, really confused when, um, because the, the, the re, reunite, reuniting thing, you know, it, uh, it kind of set a different mood, and then we go to the party, you know what I mean? And, um, I'm just like, why is he having a party is if he wasn't really on board with the plan, it didn't seem like, but it turns out that he is kind of on board with it somewhat so yeah i I, what i thought he was doing i thought he was throwing a party you know megumi was there i think he was like you know trying to say look at look at all the friends i have and look at what a good time we have together in like this new life in this new era like everything's okay bro that's what i thought he was trying to do so these can be your friends too like you know we got some pretty ladies we got karu over here in the corner got megumi you know what I'm saying? Uh, Tay from the the hot pot shop. I got my friends. I got Kenshin here. Like, my boys are asking you about me. Like, you know, I thought we were just going to chop it up. That's what I would do. Like, if my friend was, like, stuck in the past, like, I would try to get him connected to, like, people today. Yeah, I thought that's kind of what was happening, too. But um, we uh, um, we actually find out that uh, that's not the reason he did it. Um but I guess before we get into that, uh, Katsu actually meets Kenshin and he's drawing people's faces or he's drawing people and um, they want him to draw Kenshin, I believe. And um, he basically just draws Kenshin without a face uh, because he says he can't see the man behind the smile and scar um, just because he's revolutionary. He's ex-revolutionary uh soldier right or samurai yeah correct yeah because he was asking him questions you know like about where he was from um about where he what he did before he was a roroni he's like yeah i was stationed you know i was i was over in the west uh side of the country he's like "Mm, that's where the war was going on he's like what were you doing over there asked him a few more questions he's like okay are you a revolutionary and he's like yes i am he's not gonna lie you know no no that's not that's not his style he stands on he stands on business is what they you know what they say nowadays, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah, he was very straight with him, but then you kind of saw his whole mood change. You know, it didn't seem like he was enjoying himself too much. He was a little closed off to everybody. But when he started talking to Kenshin, he, he you could see him like getting visibly mad and like he was still in his feelings. Yeah, I mean, it that's that's to be expected, you know, when Sanasuke first met Kenshin he wanted to kill him, bro, but he wanted yeah. to kill him the right way or whatever. And I think that, you know, uh, they spoke with their actions and Sanosuke realized that, you know, Kenshin isn't like that. He, he done what he had to do. And now he's, he's 
on the bigger and better things. You know what I mean? So yeah, and I, and I think the only reason uh, Katsu didn't like pop off at him right then is because Kenshin was like, "Yeah, I'm ex revolutionary. Like I'm just a Roroni, bro. Like I I don't I don't deal with politics. I don't I don't do that." Um, but yeah, like I I thought it was I thought this is where Sanosuke like kind of lost Katsu. That's what I was thinking at the time. Yeah, well, it turns out that that's not the um, where this was going the whole whole time. So <laughs> yeah, so the, the party was actually to say thank you to everyone, the people at the hot pot shop, you know, trying to pay them back for all the food he he ate. And saying, really just saying goodbye to everybody without actually saying goodbye. Um, he's thinking this is the last time they're going to see him as a free man. And I feel bad for Sonosuke because, like, it, it seems like he's loyal to a fault. He knows this plan isn't going to work. He knows Katsu is batshit crazy. But he still wants to help him. He can't leave his, his brother. He takes the Sihiko army very seriously. And to know one of his brothers is still out there trying to live on in the memory of uh, Sagara. He just can't turn his back on him. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, to back that point up. Um, the fact that he thinks that everybody's sleeping, especially Kenshin, and he's kind of, like, apologizing to them as well and apologizing to Kenshin because he's like, the next time you see me, it'll I'll probably be a, uh, a fugitive. Um because I guess he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have faith that this plan is gonna succeed. So, yeah, he knows it isn't. He knows it's some dumb shit. But like, like I said, he's just loyal as fuck for no reason. Well, not for no reason, but like just yeah. too loyal. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and then from there, like, yeah, we get the final scene where it shows Sanusuke and Katsu in front of like the home ministry, the building that that they're planning to attack and quote-unquote, take over the Meiji government. Um, so any thoughts on this? Were you, I was not expecting this. Um, like I said, I thought this was a bring brother to the light kind of situation instead of like goodbye and we about to go do the thing. I did too, and I still kind of think it is, but um, we also see Kenshin kind of wake up. He was faking his sleep, um, I think we've seen. And... Um, I think that Kenshin is probably going to follow them and is probably going to have to fight, like, knock some sense into Sanosuke, honestly, um, and bringing back to the light. That way, uh, Sanosuke can maybe help his friend, his brother, move on, move past uh you know what his master said his words you know what i mean so, yeah I, I, that, yeah i see something like that happening as well man yeah i mean well you've seen the anime before so yeah i'm i'm <laughs> i'm just being very vague right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that that's where i think it's going i haven't seen it before um so i guess we'll see i i just it don't seem like this it seems like this uh incident is going to be very small and i don't think this is going to be a very big arc so true yeah but. i agreed agreed okay ready to get on with the getting on yeah let's do some jujutsu kaisen episode 15 we got fluctuations part two so it's a continuation of last episode and 
basically uh the summary for this is the group uh stuck inside of Dagon's Horizon, um, which is the red curse monster we was talking about, um, domain. Uh they're greeted by a ghost, um or so they think. Toji's Zenin. We seen him pop through the uh domain that uh Megumi uh made the hole in or whatever. And we were kind of excited to see him, but we were still wondering what to make of it um, and what was going to happen exactly. And after that, we get another surprise guest in this episode later on. Uh, but so we get right into it. We're picking up where the last episode left off. Uh, Toji's, Toji's here and he's back in business. And the first thing he does is go take away playful cloud from Maki, which is her little uh, baton uh, stick thing. Um, and she's like very surprised because, you know, she's pretty strong, but I get, you know, he's a Zenin too. He's one of the strongest Zenins, I guess you could say. So Yeah. Yeah. He's got that, 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 um, the, 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 the curse. Of, yeah. of the zinning is what they call it is uh yeah he hasn't he has no no uh cursed energy but like yeah she's very surprised and taken back because one minute she he's in the air and the next thing like he's got his hand on playful cloud and then he, she, he literally rips it out of her hand and pushes her away and like maki's whole thing is like she's strong as fuck yeah she's like little baby toji so she's very <laughs> like yo what the fuck is this dude yeah yeah, and then we get straight into kind of what we just wanted to know um, before. Uh, uh, just a basic explanation of why Toji is still alive after killing Granny, uh, the Granny Witch, uh, who summoned him. And basically, um, the technique is supposed to break when the vessel runs out of cursed energy, but uh, that can't happen because Toji doesn't have any cursed energy and he doesn't use it. So that causes a glitch in the system, kinda. Um, uh, but yeah, so the one person that you probably shouldn't have done that to is Toji because you know just so happens to have zero cursed energy. One of the few people that actually do have zero cursed energy. Yeah, and it's crazy because Granny could be alive, and so could her grandson if she just did her fucking research. Yep, and. They they go on to describe him as a killing machine and that he's always looking at the strongest opponent around him. And at that time, uh, we figured out that the strongest opponent there was actually uh, the Red Curse Monster, monster which is um, Dagon, I think. Yeah, Dagon, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's a special grade curse. And I believe, like, he's literally just carrying out the granny's wish. She said, go kill the strongest. But, you know, she meant, like, Gojo. But he's just <laughs> killing the strongest person in his vicinity. Yeah, which is very interesting. So, uh, um, but we was kind of wondering, like, what his, uh, like, how intact he was. Like, his abilities and stuff. And I think we got a really uh, good... Uh, feel of how just how intact he is. I, I think he's just as good as um, Toji, the real Toji, honestly. So yeah, and she actually the Toji that we saw earlier in in this uh, 
season was a dusty old ass Toji. You know, he he was saying, you know, while he was fighting uh Gojo, like, oh, I'm I'm warmed up. Like I'm feeling kind of good now. So like he was kind of like not really fighting powerful people. This and the reason they're talk, calling him Toji Zeni instead of his other last name is because this is back when he was that guy. Like he was the strong this is his strongest form. So he he's ready to go and like he's really just fighting off instincts. Like he I don't think he really has a mind of his own much right now because he's just being ordered to kill the strongest thing. Yeah, and I wonder like how like if there's like any way that he can wear out or or somebody actually has to like kill him or something, you know. So Yeah, yeah. It's it's um it's interesting. Like I, I want to see what happens because, like you know, he he he. We're gonna get into it later, but he's out there with his son now. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously Toji came in. Uh, he basically just pretty much makes light work of Dagon, um, the Red Curse, uh, and which I, we thought he would. So, um, but it was actually a really good fight. I. Th- I think it was very good animations, uh, the whole sequences. Um, uh, it's just one of those things that you, you have to see for yourself, honestly, just, and I'm sure most of the people that's listening to this right now have seen it and can probably agree that it's a really great fight sequence animation. Yeah. Yeah, I thought one of the coolest parts is, uh, that going like through one of the, um, I'm going to say like piranha, at Toji's face and he caught it in his mouth and like spit it out. I was like, yo, no, he's on demon time. No. Uh, but yeah, he he finished off Dagon. A special grade curse, by the way. Little to little to no effort. He wasn't even like really going after him like that till he went to kill him. You know what I'm saying? And then even Maki was like, wait, he finished off that special grade like just by himself and really was pretty low diff pretty low diff for him yeah and uh something that i thought was interesting was um in order to kill him kill him um he actually was taking playful cloud and like just banging it together like uh and just uh making a sharpened point on two sides uh basically that way he could stab him um and finish him off uh what did you think about that? <laughs> like, is like I was sitting there. I was like, is this a feat? Like, he's just like hand sharpening a metal special grade tool. Like, that's nuts. And yeah. like, you could see, like, you could see, like the the sparks flag off of it as as Nanami and Maki and um, Nabuto were, were like, just like, is he seriously like scraping this thing with his hands <laughs> against itself? Like. The dude is a lathe. He's a walking lathe. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I thought it was really cool. And, like, it just shows you how, like, like, like overpowered Toji is. And also, I want to bring up the fact that um, Old Man Zanin, um, whoever does voice acting for him, does a phenomenal job. That shit Honestly. goes crazy. His voice. So um, props to them. Uh, I just wanted to say that. Um but, you know, as we said, Toji kills uh, Dagon, which is a red curse monster, which um, makes the domain go away. And then we get back into the subway where we was. And 
right after that, uh, Toji just basically forces Megumi outside and goes outside with him. And then right when he gets outside and we go back to uh, old man Zanin, Maki, and Anami, Jogo walks up. And um, he basically just annihilates them is the easiest way to say it um, in a matter of seconds. And yeah, um, I said that Nanami was going to die, but I didn't really mean it, GG. I didn't mean it, bro. <laughs> you didn't have to do it, bro. Yeah, it was so sad how he killed him, too. Like, I don't even think he was looking at him when he did it. Like, it was bad. He just, like, walked up. To, well, he, like, just popped up in front of him, put his hand in his chest, and was like, bye. Yeah, he said one down, and then he pops up behind Maki and just engulfs her head, and it was like two down. And then, you know, old man Zanin had the best chance, it seemed like, at the time, and he just, like, hits him with, like, a five-pronged uh, fire blast or something, like a Uchiha shit, bro. <laughs> And he's like three down. And this was like a matter of five seconds, it felt like. So yeah. I was like, okay, I don't even have time to cry, bro, that Nanami died. But no, I, yeah. So. And like, there's some of my favorite characters, like Maki. I love Maki. Like, she's so cool. She was so cool. Um, yeah. I was uh, heartbroken and amazed because Gojo made Jogo seem like a joke. He, he made a joke of him. He disrespected him, you know? Yeah. I mean, several times in one fight. So, like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, like, he, this guy is a joke. Like, I understand he's a special grade, but I didn't realize the, such the large gap between a grade one sorcerer and a special grade curse. Yeah, granted, it, granted, they were, had already gotten their ass beat by the other special grade, but still, like, the fact he can just roll up, one-shot all three of them, and, like, just with, with a very bored look on his face too yeah and it's funny that they kind of forced like they kind of um as soon as jogo walked up it was like oh this one is like way more this one's stronger than the we stronger than dagon that we just mm -hmm. fought i don't know who said that i think it was the nami honestly but uh somebody said that and as he was walking up and i was like wait is he really is he really that is he really got it like that I guess he got it like that. So yeah, I was not expecting this at all. It was it was it, it sucked. It sucked. Yeah. And I would assume they're dead. I mean, I don't know how you can survive that. So um, they didn't even like. How would you bring them back? They don't even have bodies, bro. Like yeah, he, he incinerated uh, them, like straight cremated. Nothing left. Yeah, like I said, I'm not like I don't know how you could kill off like Maki and Nanami, you know, but. Uh, old man Zanin, you know, I understand, but Maki and, and Nanami, like, I don't yeah. know, man. I mean, we just it, taking L's after L's after L's in Shibuya right now. Yes, yes. So. It, it is looking down for the jujitsu world right now. Where um, does it stop? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know if it does. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I knew Maki was going to die at some point because, like, there was, like, a, a Twitter comment maybe, like, a year and some change ago, oh, maybe this okay. spring. Spoilers. And like people, yeah, it was like a quick spoiler. It's like, oh, you think she's, you think guys think she's so cool. What do you see what happens to her? Oh, and like, okay. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, okay, she's going to die. But I had forgotten about that. 
And then once she got incinerated, I was like, oh, yeah, that son of a bitch, like, spoiled it for me. Yeah. And so, like, going kind of back to um, uh, Megumi and uh, to- uh, Toji, uh, we kind of hit on it last week. Do you think that, um, uh, do you think that he put Megumi outside because he was his son in some ways? Or do you think that he thought Megumi was the strongest there? Like, what I do think, you think Megumi was the there? strongest person there. And that's okay. the only, he just wants to run the ones. Because you see, he didn't try to fight everybody when he was fighting Dagon. He was just wanted to kill Dagon. Because that's okay. what his orders are. So I think he took him outside. He's like, okay, let me, let me piece this son of a bitch up now. So you don't think there's any kind of feeling of um, relationship there that's pulling I'm, them together somewhat? I'm hoping Megumi can kind of break it somehow. Um, but I don't think he... No, he's never seen Megumi grow up, growing up. He hasn't seen him since he was an infant. And then also on top of that, I don't think... I don't. They said in the episode that Toji is working off instinct. Like, that's not him in the yeah. mind. So, he's got black eyes, too, so... Um, yeah, he's still being controlled, even yeah. if he is in there somewhere. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. I'm fairly confident that Megumi don't die, but... <laughs> <laughs> How it's going, um, it, it shouldn't. But I think the next person we, we're going to introduce here in a second isn't going to let that happen anyway. True. That's that's okay. I understand. So... Um, speaking of that, uh, we, uh, get Nanako and Mimiko, they're trying to get Sukuna to come out and play, um, and how they're doing that is they're basically trying to give Itadori a few fingers, uh, but, you know, it wasn't really gonna work, um, but Jogo comes along, and he just, like, just, he thinks he kills the girls, and pulls out ten more, I honestly think it's like 15, though, because he made a comment just saying he ate 15. I don't think the girls... No, girls only fed him a couple, I think, so... The the girls fed him one, and, like... Uh, but I think they... Oh, that, he's counting for the... Uh, yeah, he accounted for them, plus the fingers that... Oh, okay. Yuji uh, had already eaten. So he's like, okay. there's at least 15 as well. That's what, because he didn't... They wouldn't tell him... They wouldn't tell him, like, how many they fed him. So he's like, there's at least 15. I saw them feed him one. <laughs> but yeah he's got like at least 15 fingers in him apparently so pause <laughs> yo, <damn. laughs> but uh um you know he just uh and jogo like is just sitting there and you know mimiko and nanico somehow survive with the use of their cell phone i guess somehow uh do you have any theories on that I think she can like kill people or like make herself undead with that some kind of like picture taking thing. Mm. Well, Maybe she like takes the their souls. Maybe she had her. She grabbed power? her. She grabbed her and put her mm. under her arm. So I think whoever's in the picture, she can have control over in some way. Hmm. I wonder if that's something that um uh, ghetto kind of gave to them somehow. Um, I, I'm not sure how how, how that came about. But we yeah. probably won't hear much else about it, considering. No, no. Um, and we know this because uh, uh, Sukuna comes alive, bro. And he takes control of Yugi's body, Itadori's body. And um, 
all the two girls and Jogo just get back and get away from him and uh cuz it's Sukuna so like what what are you supposed to do and he's like y'all's heads are a little too high for me right now and they just drop to the floor but Jogo really uh didn't drop his head enough and it's top he gets a fade honestly <laughs> a little <laughs> off the top um I, I thought it was cool that like when Sukuna they realized Sukuna was out first of all Sukuna's like I will give you one second to get to the other side of this room yeah and Jogo's like yeah okay yes sir yes sir he like runs over. That. Like he said, one second, move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the boy just took off. He, he knows. He knows the hierarchy. <laughs> and then Mimiko and Nanako are like too afraid to even move. Like, and like, I think it, one of them was like, we can breathe, right? Like, he'll let us breathe. He won't kill us for breathing, will he? <laughs> I mean, you know, we never know, bro. <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy. Like, the whole move fucking changed when he when he stepped up. Yeah, and uh, then they kind of he he's like, okay, what what do y'all want? Talking to the girls, y'all are first, and they basically try to bargain with Sukuna, and they're saying that they will give they give him the fingers um, before, and they have the knowledge, the whereabouts of another finger, and all he's got to do is go down and kill Ghetto, or you know the fake Ghetto, and um. Sukuna is just like, uh, I think he said stand up or something like that. And he just like explodes one of their heads. And he's like, do y'all really think that y'all can order me around by w- for one measly finger or something like that? And I was like, damn, okay. Yeah. They really thought they had it like that. Right. Like, they, like, was this the dumbest thing you've ever seen in this show? Those I mean, two must be fucking idiots. They went from asking if they could breathe to really getting their their shit up and asking and and ordering him around basically. Right? Like, what do you How expect? you doing that when you bow into this man? Like they <laughs> they and like he he was liking them too because like they immediately got on their like they put their forehead on the ground for him. So yeah. he was like, I like I kind of like y'all. Y'all being a little respectful in here. And he was like, I think he would have gone gone and killed Ghetto. I, I or think, whatever I think get, he is it get his head will go down there out of curiosity honestly i think but. so but i think they i think they had it until they were like yeah and if you do that it's like bitch who are you talking to <laughs> you talking to the man right now i'm that's, him that's why y'all dead now by the way <laughs> yeah no that was that that was to me that was hands down the dumbest thing I, they had it man they had it but from there Sukuna went and asked uh, Jogo what he what he wants, and he says very carefully without offending Sukuna. I saw that he was doing that on purpose. He was saying, you know, nothing, just for him to be fully resurrected. And like he was saying it in a way, he's like, I know that you're aware that you don't have full control of this body. He's like making sure he wasn't insulting his intelligence. <laughs> it's like maybe you you know maybe you should make a pact with this Yuji kid. So you can just take his body. He's got some friends in there. You could hold hostage and you can go into a pact. You know what I'm saying? That but, was a good time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but Sukuna ends up, you know, kind of saying, you know, I got my own plans, but, and he makes a counter offer. He goes, okay, how about if I work for you guys? 
And if you and I'll do that if you can lay a hand on me. And I'll even start off by killing every human in Shibuya except one. <laughs> and we all know that's Megami. Because he just kind of wants to see what Megami does with his powers. He thinks Megami is like completely OP. And I believe in Sukuna. He knows what's going on around here. Yeah. Do you, do you think he was like uh, uh, adding the sorcerers into the humans mix? Or do you think he was just talking about the humans uh, only in general? No, nah, I think he, I mean, humans are human to him, I feel like. Okay. Yeah, I think he meant every living, breathing human in that motherfucker. Yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, crazy deal. Do you think uh, Jogo's gonna like entertain it? Do you think he um, has a? Do you think he has a? Uh, do you think he uh, has the opportunity to decline? I don't think this is a really a question he was asking him. <laughs> I don't think like, you're gonna, gonna die. Ask I mean, you can try to hit me first, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think, and I think Sukuna. It was one of two things. He's going to fuck Jogo over. Or he's going to let him touch him. Because I think he's going to go kill everybody. I think that's in-game. He's just like, yeah, I want to go have some fun while I'm out here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a question of can Itadori come back from this, too? Um, which, you know, in the past, my answer would be, yeah, sure. But Itadori was pretty banged up. And Shibuya isn't going very well right now, so... Yeah, uh, I think Itadori comes back from this though, because Jogo said that he didn't that Sukuna didn't have complete control, that Itadori was just adjusting to the new level of of Sukuna inside of him. It might take a while. I don't think we're going to see Itadori to the end of the season at this point. But so JJK, which has been hella dark lately, just got a whole lot darker. Honestly, yeah, for a little while for the foreseeable future. They go. So. Somebody gonna die. A lot of people gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, man. uh, I guess, is that all we got for JJK? Yeah, man. Uh, Last thing I got to say is, Jogo asked Sukuna, is he true to his word? So he's trying to make sure that this isn't a trick before he tries to go box the big boy. It don't matter. He he gonna say and do whatever. Yeah, he gonna say and do what the fuck he wants. We know that. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, I guess going into that, I guess we'll just have to see next week. Uh, and I guess we'll get into some One Piece uh, to finish Desert. this off. So we're going to talk about 1082, the coming of the new era, the red-haired Imperial Rage. And basically, Momo is insisting to face Ryukuju along with his retainers, um, which confuses Yamato. Um, while this battle, battle rages on the surface, Robin is following uh, Sukiyaki, uh, which is Tengen-sama, underground to the uh, road poneglyph. But even she gets surprised by what else that she actually learns. Um, and to start this off, while others enjoying the, are enjoying the festival, what's left of the Kazuki retainers are out there just working hard fighting Rikuju. Uh, Momo tells Yamato to stop helping um, after the first uh, few hits. Um, did you think there was a specific reason why he wants this wants her to stop? Um, I was I was thinking maybe like he wants to do this himself, 
or like have him and his retainers do it. But like at this point, I, I would see Yamato as a part of the Lana Wano. You know what I'm saying? Like she 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 claims to be Odin. So like why not let her fight? That that's, that's what really confused me. I kind of like was low key picking up what Momo was putting down, but Yamato was like a hundred percent with y'all. Yeah, um, and um uh, also also picked up on a few things that was said um pretty fast. Um um Momo also said that he he couldn't he didn't want to depend on people that wasn't gonna be there to protect Wano. Because we know that um, Yamato has said that she wanted to join the Straw Hats, right? And right. so she wants to leave with them, kinda. So that's I think that's why he said that is because he don't he don't want her to help um, because she's not gonna stay there. I think. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I think I think that's why, honestly, that's same reason why he doesn't want Luffy and them to come down there and help, honestly. So Yeah, I was um, thinking that um she would stay. She's she she says she's Odin, like why would you not stay in the Lenawano? But you know, that's that's just me. Well, that's just me. Odin Odin um also she wants to be like Odin and what did Odin do? You know, he he, did he went on a world. grand journey and yeah. uh she has been wanting to do that for a while and and even at the end of at the end of the battle, or whatever. Remember when she met the Straw Hats, and she was like, "I'm joining your crew." Remember that? And they was like, "Uh, we have to wait and see what Luffy says first. That's true. Yeah, you're right. So, you're right. uh, so I think that Momo kind of knows that uh that he's getting a vibe that she wants to go, and he just don't want their help. Which honestly, at this at this moment. I didn't think that Momo and the retainers could handle Ryukuju by themselves. They're getting cooked. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, you know, one of the things that we thought that could be a potential weakness um, was fire. And we find out that it's actually not a weakness because Rizo goes crazy with fire and just burns him up. And, and he just like... Don't even like it doesn't do anything. So no, it it was it was crazy. Like he was doing like the fake yell. I thought like Rizo really had done <laughs> something. He was like, oh no, <laughs> and he said, come on, bro. Like you really think that shit works? And you I think I, I could be a navy admiral or whatever, or a vice admiral, whatever the hell he is. Um, if I had a weakness such as that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh. You know, we we leave this moment and we go down to Robin and Law, and they're following um, Sukiyaki, which is Tengen, Odin's father, down a deep secret staircase to the road Poneglyph. And uh, apparently, Kato found the Poneglyph really fast, um, thanks to Jack being a fishman. Say that, say that again for the people <laughs> in the back. Yeah, he's a mammoth. I thought, but um, I didn't think that was a fish, but uh, yeah, I had no idea this man was a fish man. Yeah. He must ate like the mammoth mammoth fruit, but like I think eating a devil fruit and being a fish man is kind of dumb as fuck. 
Well, the, the thing is, is like, how can he find, how can he, so we learned that this, this was way down under, underneath the sea. Oh, but that's not seawater, they said. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's rainwater. The wheels are turning, bro, as we speak. <laughs> I didn't understand that then, but talking out loud, it does wonders. yeah it's it's crazy because like yeah the land of wano what they said was like at the bottom of the quote-unquote sea but what the people land of wano did to like close up the country was like build like walls around the edge of the island but then they 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 have no idea but what city building and city planning is so they didn't put any irrigation to wash away the water and so they made a basin and had to move to the top of the mountain that was in the middle of their country, and that's the current land of Wando. So yeah, Jack could just go down there because they they. I wonder how they found that out that that wasn't actual seawater, and it was just rainwater. I wonder how the the beast pirates figured that out. Uh, I mean, they probably got it from uh probably the history books, honestly, or something like that. Probably something like that. Um, or information from the past uh people. Um. I mean, this was All 800 probably, years ago, though. Huh? It was 800 years ago that this happened, though. Yeah, so, so you think that would be in, like, history books and shit, you know, the past of Wano. Yeah, that's true. Kinda. That's fair. And once they show up, you know, and ransack the city and shit, like, they have access to all that pretty easily. You know, Kato ain't reading shit, but uh, whoever is... Orochi might have told bitch ass. So, but... Orochi? Yeah, yeah, I think true. Orochi might have told their bitch true. ass, yeah. Yeah, because he, he was, he was uh, you know, a Wano, you know, samurai person or whatever, so a clan. So, it's interesting. It's an interesting fact to learn that Wano used to be down low, and this is actually like a second Wano, so yeah. we're learning shit. And that's why there's uh, waterfalls around their country. Yeah. Interesting. And, um... They also, he, you know, Tengen Tsukiyaki, uh, he also reveals that Pluton, um, the ancient weapon, is even further down uh, the base of the mountain, and he can't show it to them because he's never seen it since it actually requires the removal of the said walls that are holding in that water. Yeah, man, and I'm, I'm going to ask the same question to you that, that Robin asked to, to Tengen. Mr. Sukiyami. Like, why would Odin want the removal of the walls, the opening up of Wano, quote unquote, if it meant that Pluton like would be discovered? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like the only the only way it makes sense to me is that Odin knew that he could probably protect Wano and that he wanted the benefits of Wano to be open and and also, with Wano being open, he could potentially use Pluton probably um, in order to defend Wano as well. Oh, oh, maybe you might be onto something. I don't, I don't know, but it just seemed like a very dangerous thing to do. So I wonder if like we're ever going to get into that actually. Yeah, the the whole ancient weapon uh, stuff is still kind of very cloudy. We know they're out there, and but we just don't really know a whole lot about them and uh, what they're able to uh, accomplish. You know, so 
Very true. Very true. It might not be a, a WMD like everybody's saying. Yeah. We know like Fishman Island has one, right? So or something like that, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Uh maybe maybe since we're getting into the final saga, all this stuff like kind of um starts coming out, you know, and uh be becoming more all these mysteries that Oda has planted along the way, we'll actually start to see them come to fruition. So Yes. I, you know, the one thing I really hope is that Oda is good at writing the end of stories. Because so I think mangakas, especially like one like Oda, who's written, written one story for such a long time, doesn't have a lot of practice with the end, the conclusion of a story. So like, I really hope he ties this all together very, very well. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways that after after you know, the conclusion of each arc, it's kind of like he's ending things, you know, in its own little way. Cause we That's don't true. really, you know, I mean, but, um, but they just do like a fucking banquet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna have, I'm just so excited to like, maybe sometime in the near future, like 10, 10 years, maybe before <laughs> I'm an old man, Hopefully I'm still alive. I actually get to see what Oda cooked up, you know. I'm gonna have so. fucking wrinkles on my face before we get done with this shit. This shit is wild. <laughs> I mean, I know we're in the final saga, but you know, I have hope, man, that uh it'll be before before I'm forty, hopefully. So think and that, that's for crazy. It, yeah, it's actually nuts that that's 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 the case. That uh it's it's gonna be that long. But after that, we kind of get into uh, Momo actually revealing that he doesn't actually want help from Yamato or Luffy because, you know, he wants it. Like, like uh, Tyler said earlier, he wants his, his retainers to be able to defend the land of Wano themselves. And uh, we actually see that Momo finally gets off a blast breath and ends up burning Ryoku. Whatever his name is, uh, to a to a crisp. He did a good job there, Tyler. Uh, I was I was very impressed. Yeah, and uh, he he really did. Um, but he he tried multiple times. I don't know if you got into that Discord's acting buggy today. It's uh, no problem. No, I didn't get into it. I was just saying he he did a good job there. Yeah, all. but he he did try a few times to do this blast breath, and I was like, there's no way he's gonna try to be able to do it. And he finally pulled it off um, because he, so my question is, is we see, we see him envision Luffy Mm -hmm. um, and Luffy just says his name. Did Luffy actually say that IRL and like with his uh, mind thing that he's got going on or did Momo kind of just remember that from the past? What do you think? I I, I think Luffy was actually reassuring momo in that moment like because real time yeah i think real time because uh come to find out at the end of the episode like he's been watching over this along with sanji and zoro the whole fucking time yeah so i think you know using their their voice of all things together it it worked out yeah at the time i was like what do you think yeah at the time i was like you know um is he just thinking thinking of past memories but then we learned to find out that luffy and them actually knew that this was happening 
somehow. Um, I guess if Momo and uh, retainers know, then, uh, you know, somebody like Luffy and company uh, would know too. So um, makes sense. Checks out, you know? Uh, yes, very true. But, um, but we, we, got a, we got another great, great moment out of this too, man. Uh, as Ryokuju is fighting against Momo and kind of coming back because I guess all Ryokuju needs to like respawn is like a little sprout and he comes back out to full form out of that. And we see our man, Red Haired Shanks, the OG, pull his sword a little bit out of his hilt and send off some extended range radio wave ass attack via hockey and stab old plant boy in the back. <laughs> and he's like talking to him through this, right? Did I read this wrong? He's like, you know, asking him, are you guys really this afraid of the new, the new era? What the uh, fuck so was going on with this dog? So I don't really know what was going on with this. Uh, <laughs> I think, I don't think they was actually communicating, but, um, I, you know, it made it seem like it was, but I didn't know there was such thing as that. And I mean, maybe it's just because, uh, maybe it's cause Shanks is a hockey man, like a legit, uh, you know, advanced hockey man. I don't know. Uh, he's yeah. able to do this. This is the first time we've seen this. So, yeah, because uh, I didn't think you could. I, I thought like the the red and black lightning, the color of arms, like you weren't actually attacking people with that like lightning shit. Like I thought it was just a visual representation of what was going on. Yeah, I didn't so think it, you could weaponize that shit. You know, like um, the it's not an actual like um thing like lightning or whatever. It's like what you're saying. It's a visual re representation because in the manga we don't really see it that clear. You know what I mean? Uh, but they're they're doing it for the anime that way we can understand what's going on better, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think. But to be able to communicate with it, like this is some next level shit. We've we've seen it like scare people before, but he's got like advanced, advanced or something like that because he's able to like actually not only scare but actually let people know that it's him. And because that was the thing, uh, Rikuju knew it was him, and um, he it seemed like they was having some kind of dialogue, like we were saying. But was yeah. it just for our entertainment, or was it actually happening? So, yeah, I don't know. Because like Rikuju even says, like, "Oh, I didn't know you were here. I'm not trying to fight you. Nah, nah, let me go." And like yeah. he tries to like get up out of there, and then uh shanks like doubles down and like puts like more lightning bolts in his back and it's like nah we're gonna talk about this big dog <laughs> so like i'm very confused like everybody can sense that rio kuju is there everybody um of any significant power he can hear shanks shanks is attacking with like the actual color of arms lightning that i thought was just for visual effect um i don't know what the fuck is going on tyler i have no idea what's going on right now and you know what's even more mind baffling is that um uh Momo and the retainers, um, you know, they was able to sense Rukuju there, but it seems like they're clueless about Shanks hockey. Yeah, which because like even Yamato is as hell. Right. And then Yamato's like, Oh Momo, you defended the Lanawano. Like, no, he didn't. <laughs> that was not him. Like 
I, I'm seeing some hoes here, Bass. I'm not going to lie. But since it's One Piece, I'm going to overlook them. Bro, <laughs> I want to know. I need to know what the hell's going on. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense to me right now. And, you know, and another thing that, like, we we go back to Luffy after all this has happened. And Luffy's like, you know, he knows he, he can feel Shanks. He knows that Shanks was there. And so that that even makes it even more funny that Momo and company was able to see Rikuju there, but they can't feel Shanks. But Luffy, who is sitting further away, can feel and recognize Shanks. I don't know. Just just from his his presence, his aura, his hockey. So I don't know, man. There, it seems like there's. Uh, who knows, man? Uh, and how? <laughs> no, no. I got more questions. Cause like Zoro gets lost all the time, <laughs> but now he can sense what's going on in a battle half a mile away. Hey, Give, man, me Give me a he's break. Give me a break. He's the he's the uh, the demon king or whatever. So spooky. He's upgraded. He's upgraded, <laughs> bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got to know what like powers and uh, you know like upgrades these people got from this this fight. Because when you I fight think, people, I think. Um, uh, when you fight like hard battles like this, I mean, uh, uh, Dark Lord Raleigh, uh, Rayleigh said, like, you know, you get a boost in your hockey from like near death and like fighting other people with strong hockey. So I don't know if it's just a boost that they all got because they fought Kaido and Big Mom and whatnot, or like if they're just, I don't know. It, it seems very ash ass polish to me right now. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing that I, I can think of is maybe they're kind of introducing to us a. Uh, they're kind of introducing to us um, uh, Shanks. More about Shanks, I think, at this point. Okay. So um, maybe Shit. we're fixing to get into a little bit about Shanks. Because he did say he was going to go get the One Piece. Yeah. So, and then we see this shit. Like, this is shit we've never seen before. And how does it work? We don't know. Um, hey, shit's looking so. like Dragon Ball Z to me. So, okay. <laughs> On the next time on One Piece, <laughs> <laughs> I'd cry. I'd literally cry. But you but ready? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else about the uh, about the hockey man over here? Because nah, I'm just confused. Yeah. That's all. I guess maybe we'll see more about it in the future. I don't know, man. Uh, I hope so, friendo. <laughs> but um, I guess that's it for the weekly rundown. Um, just so y'all know, make sure you rate the podcast on your, all your favorite platforms. It really helps us out a lot. If you have any questions or topics that you would like for us to talk about for One Piece, JJK, Kenshin, Furin, or Undead on Luck, let us know in the Discord by Monday and we'll try to work them in there. And I guess we'll see you on Thursday for some Attack on Titan. So be there or be square. Linktree.com slash anime degens. Later.